You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. It's Jeff Kay, public address announcer for your Dallas Stars, and you're listening to Starcastic Remarks, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Go Stars! Hey guys, welcome back to Starcastic Remarks. Along with Chris, my name is Ryan. We are the official Dallas Stars podcast of THPN. Thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor of this episode. All of this podcast and all of THPN, if I can get my words off correctly. And as always, we appreciate them for being our sponsor. Chris, how are you doing? Boy, howie, that was a great game uh, after the first period. The first yes. period was rough. After that, that looked like the Dallas Stars against the Arizona Coyotes, and I loved every second of it. It was fantastic. I agree. It was a very uh, great game tonight for the for the Dallas Stars. The The first period, I thought, overall was okay for, like, the first five minutes. We got a lucky bounce, got a lucky goal, and then the I don't know what happened. Arizona just decided to turn it on. I think the goal was the worst thing that could have happened in the beginning of the game. Like, we scored the goal, and everyone's like, all right, let's go back into Chicago mode, put it in neutral, and coast down the hill. <laughs> but like we talked about on Wednesday, the Coyotes are a kind of a good team. Like, they don't have a lot of talent, mm-hmm. but they always play hard, and they play very well, and that was really displayed in the first period. They looked good. Like, the Stars didn't look great. But the Coyotes looked good in the first period, too. We'll give credit where it's due there. Um, By the way, we have a very lively chat session over here for a really, really early April Fool's Day, uh, 12.24 a.m. at the time of this recording. And everybody is completely just bashing me in any way they possibly can right now. <laughs> They're either talking about my my green screen, which is still not working. I don't know why it won't work. It's something about the camera. It, it makes it super glitchy, so I don't use it. And Go then they're also saying, oh. Remark stuff so we can get a better camera. Gosh. Yeah, there you go. And, then, <laughs> and then they're also asking if I'm, if I'm asleep. I'm like, dude, I'm always awake at this time, even during the weeknights. So Ryan is I this fix. Ryan's a night owl. I think we're all night oh. owls. Oh, I'm a huge night owl. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, I've stayed up till four in the morning when I have to wake up at six to go to work the next day. It was not a smart idea, but I did it anyway, and I did it two nights in a row. Smart. Um. Anyways, uh, getting back to the stuff that people actually want to talk about, um, what were your initial thoughts coming out of this game? Because, I mean, there there's so many that so many storylines that you could talk about with this game. I mean, the first line is fantastic. And the, the first half of the season, the first line is the best line in the entirety of hockey. Now it's kind of like, yeah, you can make an argument for it still, obviously. But, man, they are they showed it tonight. That was fantastic by the first line. They took control of the offense. They were the offense for the longest time. And, I mean, despite a couple of goals at the end there, uh, Max Omi getting the empty netter. Hopefully he gets on the score sheet, by the way. Just random tangent there. But... All three players played exactly the way we needed them to. And especially after a really rough first period, they said, guys, get on our backs, ride us, and we'll get you through the win tonight in a game that 
we probably shouldn't have been down in, in after the first intermission. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you need that. And the Stars played very well in the defensive zone. Every single line played good in the defensive zone after the first period. But when you're struggling to score, sometimes you need your first line to just put you on their back. And that's exactly what they did. So fantastic job by them. And we've gone too far in the podcast without mentioning that Jason Robertson is now the Dallas Stars points leader. He surpassed Mike Madonna. And he didn't just surpass him, but he did it by two points tonight. <laughs> yeah, four he, point he, night. Yeah, he's just like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about this. I was, I'm two points behind him. Here's four points. Now I'm two points ahead of him. It's not even a question now. He's well, done. the undisputed champion of the points record right now. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the dude has had a crazy year. I can't remember a single Stars player being as dominant as Jason Robertson has been. The one I can remember is uh, Jamie on his Art Ross season. But that was kind of a little bit of a fluky year with how low all the scoring was. Jason Robertson has been the most consistent player and has been scoring the most points. And it's just insane. And the way he does it and the times he does it is crazy. Like like uh, Razor said, he, he is the clutch guy. He only scores important goals. That's the only <laughs> time he scores. He saves them. And I I jumped out of my seat and just said what a absolute freak of nature. And I actually scared Amanda when I, when uh, Robertson scored his goal there at the end of the second period, I'm like, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, absolutely. He's one V four or one V three at that point. You're, yeah. You're not expecting a, a goal to go in when, I mean, he's in the high slot, but it's, it's not like a super dangerous area. I mean, Vimoka could very easily see it. Vimoka had zero chance on, on that shot i mean it was an absolute perfect shot at the right moment to put us up a goal and completely change the direction of this team going into the second intermission and i mean like you said chris chris i mean he has another chromosome that most people don't have he switches out one of his regular chromosomes for the clutch gene he, he just got it something that most people don't have and that's something that has been more seen this year i would argue than either of his first two years yep for sure i mean he's definitely taking a step and it's i said it was a, i said the wrong guy i thought ropey hints was the guy who's gonna have the breakout and boy was i wrong here comes jason robertson fantastic i'll take it i mean both of them have been fantastic this season yeah, the Robertson goes right after an amazing shot by Rope Hintz. Probably a better shot by Rope, honestly. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the, the thing is about Robertson is that we didn't expect him to, you know, go for 100 points, which he, he absolutely can hit at this point. He can hit 100 points and be the first Dallas Star player uh, to do so. We're going to need him to for us to win the division. Right. It seems that way. But... We didn't expect him to have a quote-unquote breakout season because <laughs> the last yeah, two years he's the broken past two out. Breakout season. Exactly. Exactly. He's so, so it's not. It, it's definitely not exactly fair to say that he's a breakout candidate when you know you've got all of these other players. We thought that Gary Arnoff was going to possibly break out with a new offensive system. Unfortunately, that didn't work for him. But it it the, the and the other thing about Robertson is that he's played for two extremely very different coaches, and yet he has still been able to be as dominant, if not more dominant, as he's gone through his uh, very young career. He's only twenty three, 
So I'm really hoping that he can continue that. Now, I think the biggest question for him is he's made that next step in the regular season. Is he going to be able to do it in the playoffs? Ottinger did it for us last year. We saw that he's got the clutch gene in the goaltending position for the Dallas Stars. When we really, really need a goal, whether we play Minnesota, Colorado, or Winnipeg, whoever, is he going to be able to pull that goal out of his butt and say, Dallas Stars, here's the t- game-tying goal to put us to overtime to win game six and then force a game seven, or this is the goal to win game seven or whatever, series clincher. Anything is he going to be able to do that when he gets to the playoffs? And right now, I, I, I'm still I'm still a little hesitant to say that yes, he's 100. Yeah. percent But it, every because it th- again, this is against the Phoenix. I keep saying Phoenix. I'm so used to Phoenix, Arizona Coyotes. But you can't not look at the game tonight and be excited that he absolutely might do it in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you can't say that he's absolutely going to do it until he does it. I think. Um, but last year he had a really good excuse. His line was the only scoring line. The, the only thing the Flames had to do was shut down the top line. And of course they're able to do that when that's your only game plan. Um, but he's got no excuses now. He's got a full team. He's going to have good chances to score. And if not, then we're just going to roll over the team if they play the way the Flames played against us last season. Last season. So no excuses this year. He, he's He's got to step up, play play well. All three of them do. Speaking of the other two, we need to talk about them because they've got huge storylines surrounding personal stuff with them. Uh, Mr. Joe Pavelski is very close to 1,000 points. I believe at this point he's two points away, maybe three points away from 1,000. So no that is a absolute huge milestone to, de- to even get there. So congratulations to him of even making it that far. And he, of course he gets... Uh, he continues to be one of the best players for the Dallas Stars in the month of March after a really, really awkward, long goalless streak. I think it went 18 games without scoring a goal. And now he's arguably probably been the best, you know, more consistent player through the month of March. And he's doing it all at the age of 38. It's absolutely ridiculous what he can do. That's why we weren't worried about him at all during the scoring slump. Like he might have been in a goal scoring slump, but he was scoring points was, like crazy. Yeah, he, he was still so getting assists. We were yeah, like, right, exactly. Who cares? I mean, Babs doesn't have to score. He can do whatever he wants as long as he's producing and his line is producing. We're happy. So obviously, the, that law of averages swings back around, and now Babs is going off. And the thing that's awesome about him is that he understands he's not the same guy he was even five years ago when he was like really dominant for the San Jose Sharks, but he's just the thing that he's absolute best at. He's just really delved into that with the whole tipping thing. And then he just always seems like he's in the right spot at the right time. He doesn't need to be super fast. He's just, okay, I've got a guy who is ridiculous in speed. I've got another guy who's got an extremely high hockey IQ. If I stand here, more than likely, I'm going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to be able to score a goal. And he's yeah. just always in the right spot at the right time, it seems like. Yeah, and we've definitely talked about this before, but that's the way that you become a successful veteran hockey player. I mean, the greatest example of that, Alexander Ovechkin, he played a crazy, just bouncing off the wall style of hockey his first 10 years in the league. I mean, scoring goals literally off of his back in his rookie year. Dude was nuts. He changes the way he plays, and he is the ultimate power play goal scorer now. He's got his own office that he sets up on a dot 
on a dot and blasts home shots. You just you can't play the same way the entirety of your hockey career if you want to stay in the league as long as Pavelski or Ovi have done. And him switching to being able to be the ultimate deflector and a great playmaker is why he's been so successful because he, he still has all that hockey knowledge and he has found a new niche to get into that he doesn't have to be insanely athletically and physically talented at as he was early on in his career. So that's really what impresses me about these veteran players is that it's brain, body, and just developing new skills, continual learning within hockey. It's fantastic. It's super cool. And and with Ovi, everybody knows exactly what he's going to do. It, it, it doesn't matter what you do. It, he, you could put somebody literally like right in front of him and he's still going to be able to get the same shot off and you're just not going to be able to stop it. It's ridiculous what he can do. And everybody mentions Ovechkin just because of he's one of the greatest players of all time. He's arguably the greatest goal scorer of all time, even if he doesn't pass Gretzky. But Pavelski does the exact same thing, just in a different facet of his game. And we don't talk enough about him just because this team is riddled with Jamie Benn, who's having a renaissance. Tyler Sagan is having a better season than he's had. Uh, Hence and... Robertson both are continuing to be a dominant force offensively. Meanwhile, you've got Ottinger who is looking really good. He's looking better. And we'll get a little bit into that here in a second. But then you've got Miro Haskinen, who I still argue he's going to be the next captain of this team. It, it It's not Robertson. It's not Hens. It's Miro Haskinen. That's where I was going to go next. If we're talking about people that we don't talk about enough, Miro Haskinen has a three-point night, three assists on the night. Um I think how, how, how many, often did you hear his name tonight? Yeah, all the like, time. Not very often. No, not as I much as the other guys. <laughs> I don't know about that. Every time I looked up and I saw someone make a good play with the puck, he was Miro Haskinen. Maybe I was saying that in my head, but <laughs> <laughs> he was fantastic tonight. He always is. If you want to really talk about the consistent player, Miro Haskinen is always consistent. We talk about how much of an influence he has on hockey games, um, but he's very close to setting the. Uh, Dallas Stars record for points in a season by a defenseman. I don't know exactly where it's at. I, it's either 8 or 12, I want to say, for some reason. I don't know why, but he's behind Zuboff there. He realistically could still get that this season. And we don't even think he's had a great offensive season just because he's not scoring goals. But he's getting all of the assists. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I, I forgot who it was in the comment section I saw, but he is currently leading the NHL in the month of March in, in points getting. So it's just, I mean, he's doing it so quietly. It feels it feels like he's not getting enough attention, just like Pavelski is not getting enough attention for what he does. And then uh, let, let's talk about the final guy on this line because there is a little bit of a dark cloud uh, to this. I, I, I don't feel like, well, let's just, let's just go ahead and talk about him. Uh, Hints was absolutely fantastic. We talked about the third goal that Robertson had. That was a more clutch goal uh for the player but hence's shot was just as good if not better when he scored the second goal of the game there it was a better shot that was one of the best shots of the season i mean corner post and bar and goes right in fantastic shot it was unbelievable yeah and i again i don't blame vimelka for that one i mean it, it looked like he was in a harmless position it wasn't like a prime area to score it was literally just in the absolute perfect spot 
I think it had, if it had been a centimeter to the left, it, it would not have gone in. It would have just hit the post and gone out. Yep. So just absolutely ridiculous what Henson Robertson can do. And the fact that they're able to put the puck in those areas and it seems like it's not dangerous at all or anything. And then they still are able to find a way to get it behind the goaltender. Yep. Absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> so obviously let's talk about the dark cloud for a second. Uh, hence gets high sticked there towards the end of the game. The last 10 minutes of the game, it's a uh, Soderstrom who gets the stick up in his eye area. It didn't, it didn't look like it was in the eyeball. It looked like it was just above the eye on the, I think it was the, the left side. So I'm curious to see if he will be able to play tomorrow. I think he will be okay. That's my gut feeling because he was able to go off on his own power. And I mean, especially in that game, I think it was at that point, it was a foregone conclusion that the stars were going to win based off of the way they were playing. So maybe they just didn't bring him back out just for purely just being cautious. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine, but it's definitely scary. I mean, if you get a cut on your eyeball, like who who knows how long that'll take to heal. I have no idea. I've never heard of that, but it, it seemed like when he's skating off, like it's fine, but I mean, I don't know. There's no telling. I tried looking at Twitter just now. That's what I was scrolling through and I couldn't find anything. Um, but if you get stitches in your face, I mean, put a mask on. And <laughs> it, hurts. Yeah. it hurts a lot, hurts. yeah. <laughs> put a mask on. Go out. Go be the Colorado Avalanche, please. Thank you. Yep. Well, and you would know what uh, a high stick feels like above your eyebrow, right, Chris? Wouldn't yeah, you? It hurts. Uh, interesting story there. Uh, I was the one that actually high sticked Chris in the face <laughs> a long time ago when we were little, when we were still at home. So, uh Unfortunately, Chris knows that, and so does James, actually. I think James got high-sticked by, was it Tyler? Yeah, I don't right? think he remembers that, though. He was, he was like three. Oh, well, it was, I remember it. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was a lot brutal. bloodier than mine. Yeah, mom was freaking out. It was hilarious. <laughs> the biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bets and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every single day to see what they have in store. Right now, what I'm keeping my eye on is U of H. They're doing really well right now. And just because Chris was persnickety about it, I'm also going for Arkansas to go all the way since AM is now out of the tournament. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at... DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. <laughs> Anyways, so that's the top line in the game tonight. And each player had their own storylines to talk about and just fantastic. But let's let's talk about a little bit of the defense. Okay. So before the game got good and got better in the second and third period there were some really, really rough plays by some of the defensemen. And I'm sorry 
Joel Hanley, that goal, that second goal was completely on Joel Hanley there. And just it was not a good play. He, he was not getting a lot of help in his defense. But that's to, and it's unfortunate for him because this is just going to spark up the whole debate over the Stars only have five defensemen because Nils Lundqvist is not being trusted for whatever reason. We know that because he hasn't played but two games in the last 10, I think. And Hanley is not a player that should be in your top six all the time. He's great as a fill-in. He's absolutely great as a fill-in if you if he comes in for a game, if someone's sick or hurt or whatever. But, I mean, it, it's just going to pull up this whole thing again. Everyone's going to talk about it. And the Stars just don't seem to have a solution for this problem right now. I'm just really confused by the whole situation. Like, I thought... When we, when we got Lundqvist, the point was we're going to play him. And if we're not going to play him, then we, we should send him to the AHL. And now we are consistently not playing him just before the season started. He played the previous 50 games, the first 50 games of the season. Lundqvist is in there, game in, game out. So I, I, I really don't understand what the issue is. I know that one game he came back and he made a student mistake right off the bat. Okay, Hanley did the same thing here, and he still played the whole game. So I, it's, it's really honestly frustrating because like you said, we are down to five defensemen now. If they're just not going to play Lundqvist and they're refusing to, Hanley obviously is a step down from all five of them the majority of the time. So it, we're at a loss there. I mean, it, it makes it in the, what's really annoying is it wasn't as big of an issue before the trade deadline. Like, if you realize this is an issue before the trade deadline, we're not going to go into the playoffs with five defensemen. But well, you don't we, realize that until after? You don't decide that that's a problem until after the fact? It it just seems it seems silly. I would argue that we've seen this problem before the trade deadline. N- maybe not as egregious. Maybe we're just looking for it more. And now that... N- I don't know what the deal is with Nils Lundqvist. It's, it's like he's... It's not Nils Lundqvist. They're just not playing him. But, if, he but, was, I mean, if they were playing him and he was playing bad, have, I would agree. But they, They've got to have a reason, though, Chris. They've got to have a reason. And, and I mean, there was the, the one game he played, what, two, two minutes and 39 seconds, and they literally just played the other six the entire game. Yep. So, it, I don't know. It just... I think it's poor management, honestly, at this point. Poor management of the team. I mean... So, I, you think this is a DeBoer issue, then? Yeah. Or the, the assistant coach that runs the defi- the defense? Whoever's making the Nazarene. call to put Hanley in, which is probably DeBoer, I think it's the wrong decision. I don't think Hanley is giving you any more confidence or trust or capability that Lundqvist wouldn't give you. Plus, Lundqvist gives you the advantage of at least being able to do something in the offensive zone. It, it is, it's really quite frustrating. I, I don't understand it. And... uh. While we're talking about defensemen, I thought Hockenpah had a really good game tonight. There was there was one particular play. Actually, there were several times that, that I wrote, and it was a defensive plays in the second period. There was one at 15 and a half minutes remaining that he had a really good stick in the defensive zone, and it would have been a really bad odd man rush going towards Ottinger. And then there is I I was actually really excited for this play. About 10 minutes remaining, that he had a opportunity where he could have tried to pinch at the blue line in the offensive zone and he made the right decision he didn't 
He backed off and then he completely cleaned the guy out in the de- defensive zone and immediately went the other direction. Yep. I mean, just excellent, excellent play. So I think Hawkenpah has played well this year, but he just makes a lot of errors that, like, say someone like Mira Haskinen does not play like. He's it got- does not make. Because he'll play great games and he'll play 23 minutes that night. And mm-hmm. in bad games, he'll play 12. So. And I, I especially like tonight him throwing the body a lot more. I mean, that's what you really want to see a lot of in the playoffs is where the team down a little bit. He's the guy that's going to do it. He's the biggest one out there. And he did play 17 minutes, 23 seconds tonight. So that's pretty decent. That's that's actually very decent for uh, for him. I mean, everybody had very good ice time. So I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit on the management. Maybe on that side, you can make an argument about put, having Hanley in instead of Lundqvist. Yeah, that's but all as, I'm saying. I'm not upset about ice time at all. Yeah, as far as time on ice, the way that he divvied this up tonight was perfect, yeah. knowing that you're going to have to play a much tougher team tomorrow in less than 24 hours. So yeah, I'm not upset about time great. on ice at all. Yeah, so so good for him. Um, a, a couple of lineups decisions here. First off, for tomorrow... Do we see Nils Lundqvist come back into the lineup? Because I, I think after that goal, that and, and especially because it's the second game of a back-to-back and a little bit of youthful energy, I, I think, could really help. If I was making the decision, I'd give him a chance. And I know it's Colorado. I know it's Colorado. But give him sheltered minutes, and if he's really that bad, don't let him touch the ice. But Hanley has shown you, especially in today's game, that he gave up... He gave up a really bad turnover, and it led to a goal. Now, thankfully, the top line did freaking amazing things tonight and saved their butts. But, I, I mean, I don't know. What What do you think is going to happen? Well, first off, what would you do? And then second, what do you think DeBoer is actually going to do? There's a better question. I agree with you. I think Lundquist should go in. I, I stayed kind of consistent with that, I feel like. I always think putting in fresh guys on the second night of a back-to-back is a good thing. Um but I don't think that's going to happen. I think if we're this late in the season, Lundqvist is still getting played very sparingly, and we're probably at the biggest game of the remainder of our schedule, at least like opponent-wise, plus what's going on. I I am fairly sure that the lineup's going to be the exact same tomorrow night. And then there was one other lineup change that DeBoer made in the middle of the game. They very briefly mentioned it, but... I don't know how you thought about it. I thought it was okay. I didn't see a huge difference, but they did uh, flip-flop Foxa and Delandria. So Foxa goes down to the fourth line, and Delandria goes and plays with Domi and Sagan. And I I thought there was not a whole bunch of synergy when it came to that, but I just feel like Foxa plays so much better with Glenn Denning down on the fourth line than he does being asked to kind of fill a... I don't want to say an offensive role because he, he kind of does still does his defensive thing, but he fulfills his role a lot better when he's playing with Glenn Denning, especially. I think it was better. They had more chances in the second half of the game, but also the stars were just playing better in the second half of the game. So, so it's kind of hard with, to tell. Exactly. Right. Kind of take that with a grain of salt, but really what you really need is you need Marchment back. I mean, he brings such a big difference that line, just size, speed, physicality. I mean, that's what you really want playing with Domi and Sagan who are a little bit more uh, fluid watery guys. 
Okay, perfect segue to kind of talk about two players. Let's talk about Marchman. Uh, Marchman, there's not much news on him that I have heard, Chris. There, the expectation is still that he will probably play the last couple of games before the playoffs. That seems to be the general idea that we've seen from DeBoer and from other players in the locker room. So that's still going on. But the biggest news on the injury front, Wedgwood seems to be making his return very, very soon. And it may be even as early as Monday. So that will be very exciting to see Wedgwood. One, because we need a lot of help in the goaltending department. And it will be very good because Otter will be able to feel like he can actually relax. Even though he may not be playing a game when Matt Murray's in the net. So yep. he's he is currently down in the AHL with the Texas Stars. Apparently he did a, he did very well in a 2-1 to one overtime loss tonight. Almost stole it. Almost stole it for the Texas Stars. So we're hoping that that continues, that conditioning stint uh, goes well, and then he's able to join the team on Monday. So what do you what do you think about all of that injury front news, Chris? Yep, very good. I mean, ideally we win the Colorado game, and then we can go Wedgwood Otter, Wedgwood Otter the remainder of the season. And I, I think that would give Otter a good break before we ride him into the ground for the entirety of April and May. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and and fingers crossed, hopefully June, if it gets to that point. Yes. So, and then let's talk about, uh, yeah, we talked about the top line. We talked about the, oh, okay, yeah. So the four check, talk, let's talk about the Dallas four check for a little bit. It was very good in like the first four minutes. And then for the rest of the first period, it was like almost non-existent. And then when the first line really got it going in the second period, especially with that first goal, I don't think it ever let up after that in the second and third period. And I was happy and frustrated at, at the same time. So let me explain. I was very happy that they were doing it against an Arizona club that they should be beating. They should be beating. And Arizona has played well at home. They're like 2012 and like, uh, I think four, which is a very good record for a team that will not make the playoffs. But what I'm really frustrated about is why can't they do this on a consistent basis against the very good teams? Because that is something that has been different about this team under DeBoer compared to Bonus. Bonus was all about, you know, uh, counterattacking, taking those opportunities when you can get them. DeBoer style has very much been about get the puck in, cycle it, really kind of force turnovers and get pressure in in the offensive zone. And they did that absolutely excellently in the second and third period. And it, I, I mean, if, if they do that every single game, it reminds me a lot of what the Carolina Hurricanes do, especially when they play against the Stars. I, I mean, it's just constant, relentless forecheck. And I, so does all of that make sense? I think that has a lot more to do with the like, Coyotes not being fantastic. Um <laughs> It looked it, it looked extremely good. I agree with you. It looked fantastic, especially in the third period. The Coyotes couldn't go anywhere. Um, but if you watch the plays, the Coyotes defensemen were making some pretty terrible plays too. So I'll agree with you. It doesn't always look this good. I think part of that is just because of the skill level of the competition. Um, but it also has to do with uh, your mentality. I mean, like I said in the first period, we scored that goal and we were like, ah, easy peasy, neutral, stop pressuring as hard. But we got back to it in the second and third period, and it looked like the game we thought it was going to be for all three. 
So I think it's just going to be a mentality thing, and it's a lot easier to stay in that mentality when you were playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. So I want to talk about two more things, and then we'll wrap it up here tonight because we're already past 30 minutes. But the first one is that the Stars are first in the NHL with wins by three or more goals, and it's by a considerable margin. They've got 24 wins when they do that. Now, on the flip side of that, they've got one of the worst winning percentages when it comes to one-goal games. Now, a lot of that probably has to do with losing in overtime. I'm not sure if shootout counts towards that, I don't think it does, but but I have no idea. So, Ardell, maybe you can uh, educate me and Chris on that. But the the thing that concerns me about this team going into the playoffs is that a lot of these games in the playoffs are not going to be won by three or more goals. There may be the occasional blowout game, but most of these games are going to be by one or two goals. Now, the side argument to that is that the Stars have been losing a lot of overtime games when it's three-on-three. In playoffs, you don't do three-on-three, so you don't have to worry about that. But that pressure in the playoffs in overtime is still very similar to the pressure that you feel in overtime when it's three-on-three. It's not the same. I saw your face. It's not the same, but that pressure is still there. So are the Stars going to be able to handle the pressure when we get to that point? And I would argue you have no idea because <laughs> we really yeah. don't know. We, we don't know, but I'm going to disagree with it's a, it, it's even a similar pressure. Cause I don't think it is. I mean, three on three overtime in the regular season, you're only going to do it for five minutes. You know, it's a limited amount of time. Only your best players are going to play. If you're one of the best players, you're going to be playing a lot and you're going to be really tired during it. I, I think it's a totally different animal. I mean, you're still playing hockey when you're in the playoffs. It, it, it might be overtime, but you're still playing hockey. It's the same game. And the stars are a lot better at that than uh, other teams. Um, back to the one goal game stat. That I think is a very skewed stat for Dallas. First of all, because of the three and three overtimes, but then also we score a lot of uh, empty net goals. Like we score another one tonight. I'd, I'd like to see how many empty net goals that we've scored to get us away that's, from winning games inter- by one that's goal. That's an interesting stat. That's a very good yeah, that's a good point. So I think that stat is definitely a little bit skewed. And we have seen the Stars do some crazy clutch things. I mean, coming from behind, like, this is the team that I've seen for Dallas that is never out of it. Like, there's never been a team that is that I felt like always has a chance, no matter what. Even the Vancouver game, the one that we went to, third period was going terrible. It, it sucked. And I was like, okay, whatever. We'll just wait until it gets six on five and we still have a chance to win the game. Like, that's how confident I am that this team can just go and score goals because they've shown it so many times. So I, I don't buy that we're not confident. I don't buy that we're not clutch. We see clutch and confident stuff from this team all the time. I think we're going to see that in the playoffs. And we've got at least our most important player has already proved that he's going to do that, the goaltender, Jake Ottinger. So I'm not super worried about it. I'm just excited to see how the team plays. Sorry, I, there, things keep popping up under my head. There was an argument about who was going to start this game, and a lot of people, including myself, expected to see Matt Murray in this game tonight. We did not. So Jake Ottinger uh, did start this game tonight, and what I loved that they did, especially in the second and third period, is they did not leave Ottinger out to dry. Yep. I think at one point, with like four or five minutes remaining, the, Van- the, the Vancouver Canucks... The Arizona Coyotes only had 14 shots, 14. 
when you have a back-to-back and you know you're playing against Colorado, that is exactly, exactly what you want to do. There was a little bit of helter-skelter there at the end, but that's the last two yeah. minutes of the game with the goalie pulled. That's that's yeah. fine. They, they finished the game with only 17 shots. The only big saves that Ottinger made in the second and third period was on the six-on-five, and he made two, I think, and he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And because I'm going to give in to uh, chat's stereotype about me, even though I already know the answer to this question, Ardell, I saw that earlier at the beginning, but while the countdown was going on, who starts the game tomorrow, Chris? Jake Ottinger. Okay. I I shouldn't have even had to ask that question. Matt Murray will not see a game for the rest of the season. But what Jake Ottinger starting this tells me is that DeBoer is fully bought in now to Jake Ottinger playing until we win the division or until Wedgwood comes back potentially. I don't know how that might change things, but the, the I think the Vancouver loss, while it's not Murray's fault at all. I mean, the team played terribly. I, I think that kind of flipped the switch and he was like, okay, nope, we, we, we need to get back in first and we're going to do that with Jake Ottinger. Yep. Yeah. And thank you, Ardell. I love you too. It's okay. <laughs> um, And then finally that this is the last, uh, it's, Amazing that we've gotten this far without talking about it, but it's a big milestone for a player that's overlooked just because of what he does. Congratulations to Luke Lindang getting his 700th career game tonight. He is a fantastic player, and everything that he does is exactly what this team needs. He is a absolute fantastic face-off man. He is always the guy that is willing to block a shot. And then each time he's got to be one of the favorites on, on that team. And he's, he's a great veteran. He does everything right that you would expect out of a professional hockey player. And he is going to be one of those guys. If that, if we win the cup this year and we look back, he's going to be one of those players that I'm going to look on very, very fondly. And even if we don't win a cup, I'll take that back. Even if we don't win a cup, he's he, I will look on, his time in a Dallas Stars sweater very fondly because of what he's done. So congratulations to Luke Lindenning, his 700th career game in the NHL. A lot of people don't get there. Yep. You can definitely be seen as one of those grinders if we get our name on the cup. It's fun. I am I feel good about this game, but again, it's just Arizona, man. <laughs> it's just Arizona. We got Colorado tomorrow, 8 o'clock start time. And we are really looking forward to that game. The Stars will be facing against a club who is going to be extremely pissed off after losing to the Minnesota Wild in their last game. And they've had two days off. So we are going to be heavily relying on Ottinger in tomorrow's game, I feel like. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. He's going to have to be our best player. This is the biggest game for the remainder of the season. I mean, if you really want to win the division, if you decided that's what you were going to do, you have to get this one. You have to get it. We got the games that we should have won. Now we need the game that you we really find a need. way to win the game that you shouldn't win. That's right. how you're going to win the division. Yes. And and I don't, I'll just say it now. I, I'm not going to be mad if we lose tomorrow night. I I'm wouldn't not, be either. I'm I not would gonna be pissed mad. off if we don't show up. If we do classic Dallas stars and we're like, oh, build up the game and then lay an egg. That would piss me off. But yes. if we show up and we play hard and we play good, I'll be happy. 
All right, guys, it's been late, but we had a lot to talk about in today's game. There was a whole lot to talk about. So many milestones. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's, it's, I mean, records broken. They all Luke happened Glenn, at once. Yeah, Luke Glendinning. Uh, I mean, Wedgwood, everything is happening all at once, it seems like. So it, it's, it's excellent. It's I'm, great. I'm, it's so fun. It's so fun. I and love hockey. Th- this, uh, this is like, oh, I, I can feel it. That playoff atmosphere is coming, man. Let's go. So, anyways, please go and check out StarCastCircumarks.com. That's our website. Uh, Chris, again, for, I'll mention it for the last time. He, we had our live episode at the American Airlines Center last Saturday. He wrote a really good blog post on it. It's excellent. I highly suggest you go and read it. Uh, and side note, congratulations to Defending Big D uh, going, you know, completely solo after uh, they l- lost their funding. So, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Taylor and her group and her staff can do. Uri is also on the staff there, so shout out to Uri. Excited to see how he does uh, with Taylor as well, and can't wait to see what kind of content they throw out. It's one of the best writing article groups for Dallas Stars hockey, so go and check them out. Give them all the love, and if, if you can subscribe, do it. I did today, so I mean, they, they need the money. They can use it. Let's keep our Dallas Stars content going. And thanks once again to DraftKings Sportsbook for being our sponsor of this episode, this podcast, and all of THPN. Along with Chris, my name is Ryan. We'll see you guys tomorrow night when the Stars take on the Colorado Avalanche. And we hope you guys have a good, fantastic morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you guys are listening. Chris, take us out. Great job in Arizona, Stars fans that were there. GG, boys.